Well, uh, beloved people, beloved listeners, what a privilege again to come to you today. And uh, today is a blessed day. This is a very special day again that the Lord has accorded us to be able to have a teaching, a study that is going to help the church, whosoever will listen, um, to, to polish the church. You, you know, we live in such a time when it's going to be absolutely very critical that uh, the Christian believer, the Christian, the Christ follower, the born-again person, this is now going to be a critical moment for you to be able to ensure that your salvation is well polished, that you are in right standing with the Lord, and you know all the things you ought to know. I want to look at the continuing conversation we've had last week when we talked about walking the narrow way. The Lord Jesus, he submitted a thesis, he submitted a doctrine, he deposited a doctrine to the church and a command, and that doctrine became the instruction to the church. And in that instruction, the Lord commanded the church world over to walk the narrow way. So most of last week, the few days at which we managed to have this conversation, we spoke about some very important aspects of walking the narrow way. And we asked the question, what does it mean that Christ Jesus the Messiah commanded the church to walk the narrow way? In other words, what does it take? What are the features of a church that is walking the narrow way? And I want to continue that conversation, beloved people, by looking at some very important scriptures here and giving it a greater look. Uh, what does it mean to walk the narrow way? So today I want to begin with the lead scripture. And now, lead scripture, I'm reading from King James today on purpose. I have four versions here in the Comparative Study Bible, but today I purposefully read from King James. So, our lead scripture, the book of Matthew, chapter 7, again, verses 13 and 14. So, Matthew, chapter 7, in this dispensation, when the prophecy on the collision of the two Newton stars has taken place, in this dispensation, at this hour, when the tossing of the seas on the Lord sent me to command the ocean to come out in the Caribbean, and you saw what that did all the way through to the United States, then the prophecy on the United States of America, on Florida, on Houston, Texas. At this time, when a dead decomposing corpse, a dead body, now we know she is called Mama Rosa, gaining weight. The doctors are taking notes. At this time, when there is big healing, I followed yesterday. Up to now, we have more than 300 cases of serious conditions that were healed when I came live on radio. The Lord spoke to you healing through this place right from here in Nairobi by radio to your churches, some of the conditions were absolutely terrible conditions the Lord removed people from, like um, 
the case of the, in Machakos, there was urine and stool incontinence, flowing stool and urine for many, many years, 10 years. Nairobi here, bleeding until she was cutting blankets. She could not use the normal parts. She was now cutting blankets to use baby blankets and so forth. And crippled, blind, uh, legs that were cut off. Uh, the Lord just joined the bones. We are living in such a tremendous time. Weak necks, babies that could not support their necks. Now the neck is strong. In this kind of visitation and in this kind of dispensation, how ought you to live your life as a Christian? And that's why today in our teaching, our lead scripture is the book of Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 to 14. And uh, I'm reading uh, deliberately from King James because there's something I want to bring out today. And in King James, he says this. He says, Enter ye in at the straight gate. And the straight here is, it's straight is uh, dispelled S-T-R-A-I-T, straight, like the Strait of Gilbrata, the Strait of Dover, and so forth. It says, enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in their art. Verse 14, he goes on to say, because straight is the gate, and again straight is S-T-R-A-I-T. I am reading version deliberately to bring a very important point to you in this dispensation of the Lord of Glory, when we know that the Messiah is coming. Again, verse 14, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it, that findeth it. So, th this is a very important scripture, beloved people. Again, enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, in other words, to hell. And many there be which go in their at. Verse 14. Because straight, S-T-R-A-I-T, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. In other words, eternal life, heaven. And few there be that findeth it. So it, it's amazing, beloved people, that Christ Jesus, the Messiah, when he came and brought us the salvation of our God in heaven, Jehovah Elohim, Jehovah Yahweh, Jehovah Ori, when he brought us the salvation of God Almighty from heaven, and I hope most people now understand the way the covenant of this grace we receive stands within the bigger picture of heaven. Let me just recap it here. We know very well that there is a covenant of eternity between God the Father and God the Son. You can see from the book of John chapter 1 the narrative there. 
In the beginning was the Word. And then it goes on and on and it says the Word was with God. So it speaks about the eternal relationship. So there is a covenant of eternity between God the Father and God the Son. I hope all people know this. That's why I don't want to take chances. I just want to run through it now. Uh, the covenant between God the Father and Christ the Messiah is a covenant of eternity. It's an eternal covenant. And when God the Father saw the fall in man down here on the earth, and he sent Christ Jesus to come and die on the cross to deliver unto the church the covenant of the grace. Now look at this now. God the Father is the Redeemer. Make sure you understand this, beloved, very well. God the Father is the Redeemer. And he sent Christ the Messiah to die on the cross to bring forth the carrier. He is the messenger of the covenant of the grace. So when Christ the Messiah brings the covenant of grace that is between him and mankind, John chapter 3.16 we know, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, should not perish, but see eternity, see eternal life. So that is the covenant he brought. And then now he grafted the covenant between himself, Christ the Messiah, and the church. And so that those that have a covenant with Christ, by extension now, Christ's relationship with the Father, Christ's link, the link between Jesus and God the Father, that covenant of eternity, is now extended to the church. So the church, therefore, now, through the extension, through the covenant of grace, is able to enjoy eternity. That is the structure, that is the blueprint, that is the paradigm of the redemption of fallen men. That is pretty obvious today to all people, beloved people. And so, when Christ Messiah, the author and finisher of our faith, the one that died for the church, the one whose church, his church, the church of Christ, whose church is on the earth here, when he brought that covenant of grace, then he deposited for this thesis here. This is the thesis he presented. He made an application before them, and this is what he made when he said, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in their heart. Verse 14 it says, Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. So you have to even find it. So what did the Lord mean when he spoke to his church? He died for the church resurrected for the church. What did he mean when he instructed the church? He gave this command that enter ye in at the straight gate. In other words, enter through the narrow gate. And then he talks about the narrow way. And so I want you to understand, beloved people, that this becomes one of the most important teachings that the Lord Jesus ever gave to mankind. Again, this becomes the principal teaching 
the cardinal teaching that the Messiah ever gave to the church. And you can see very clearly that in this teaching, he is actually directing himself to the church. He is actually addressing the church. And I want to move a little faster because uh, I have so much for you within these one and a half hours to go. And so uh, it, it became so important. Why is this the most important doctrine he laid before the church? It is so important because this became the yardstick. This presentation here, this decree, this command, this instruction the Messiah gave, literally became the yardstick. It became the principal yardstick that separates the entire human race into two, into two groups that separates the entire universe. You are aware that the entire universe is under the jurisdiction of the Messiah and of the Father. You remember recently when the 10-year-old prophecy, when he sent me to shake the entire universe, and all the trillions of galaxies. So the entire universe is being addressed here, beloved people, and the church that we have on the earth. So this teaching became so critical in the life of the Christian. Why? Because this is the teaching that lays out the yardstick, defines the yardstick for entry into heaven. In other words, he gets from this teaching a yardstick for separating the entire human race into two, two groups. Those who will go into the kingdom of God into heaven and those who will go to hell. This is how important this teaching stands within the paradigm of scripture and the prophetic timeline of the Bible. That this teaching at this hour, especially before the Messiah comes, becomes so critical in the life of the believer that they may be in the know, that they may know some of the yardsticks that heaven will use, that the Lord will use on that day when he comes. This teaching, the thesis he deposited in Matthew chapter 7, 13 to 14, is so critical because even the dead will be weighed on this yardstick. Even those dead, those who have slept, the Bible calls them asleep, this is the yardstick that will be used to measure them to see where at they spend their eternity, whether in heaven or in hell. And that's just how critical this teaching is. It also it applies to the dead and applies to the living. It is an enormous teaching, beloved people. It's a tremendous teaching. And so we see that the Lord Jesus commands the church he goes ahead then and commands his church to submit to this thesis, to this teaching here, to submit, to fully submit to this. And as he does so, therefore you see that the entire narrative is directed to the church, directed to those that are born again, those that are Christian, Christ followers. And as I've read, when you read again, one more time, Matthew chapter 7, 13, Jesus the Lord instructs his followers by saying, Enter ye at the straight gate. So I said, I'm reading King James today deliberately because there is something I want to pull out that will help you. 
And what a wonderful privilege and opportunity to do this global uh, Bible teaching because I know I can see nations tuned in from across the globe, even places that were still in the dark, across the globe. We don't know how many millions are tuned in from Finland all the way to Australia, New Zealand, from South Korea all the way to Canada, United States, down to Latin America, Brazil, and name it. This is such a wonderful moment, beloved people, when the Lord can allow me to speak to the church on some very key elements, key items that will really, really matter on the final day. And that's why I'm saying, when the Lord now directed himself and addressed himself to the church, exclusively to the church, he entirely focused on the church. And then he gave his first deposition, in Matthew chapter 7, 13. He said, and then he said, enter ye at the straight gate. Straight, S-T-R-A-I-T. What is the meaning of straight? So let's open up a few things that then we may be able to comprehend, to well understand the instruction that the Lord is leaving on the church. The instruction is directing towards the church that when you obey, you know what to obey, beloved people. But when you receive the Lord, you know what you are getting into. For those who are not born again, that may be tuned in. Straight means the following. In a simple way, straight means conventional. The first meaning of straight, as T-R-A-I-T is conventional. The second meaning of straight is law-abiding. Law-abiding. Law-abiding, beloved. And the third meaning of straight, I endeavored to pull it out for you on King James. Why King James brings it as straight? The third meaning of straight is that narrow. Straight means narrow. Straight also means route root, if you will, a channel or a passage. And when you use straight to describe a route, a route, a channel, and a passage, then he says the following. He says, it is a passage that is so narrow that it makes it difficult for you to pass. You know many times you have the Strait of Gilbrata, the Strait of Ward, the Strait of Dover, there are these straits in the seas. We see the straits in the sea. And it's amazing because then you see that when the ships are coming, and let's say they are to pass through the straight X, straight of what? Straight of who? Then you see now the ship don't have that much bearing, that much uh, maneuvering or flexibility or space to do as they will. So as they pass through the straits, they have now to obey the narrowness of the strait, the rules governing the passage, so that they may pass through the strait. So he says, it may be also employed in describing a route, a route, for those who are on the other side of the route, a channel, a passage. That a passage that is so narrow that it makes it difficult to pass through. So again now, you see the Lord Jesus uses the word strait. Enter ye, he says very clearly, enter ye in at the straight gate. And he's very much aware that this is what straight defines. So in other words, you see right away, he is already projecting forth in his thesis to the church. He's pulling forth, he's highlighting forth the fact that there will be some difficulties in passing through this narrow space. 
For example, you see the Strait of Dover, the Strait of Gibraltar. You know these things, beloved people. But when the Lord employed the word straight in addressing the church that is headed to heaven, regarding the way to heaven, it's amazing because the main definition, the main definition really of a straight, a straight is a passage that connects one part to another. How awesome then. So the Lord was essentially saying that I am the messenger of heaven. I have come with the covenant of heaven. I have come with the message of God the Father in heaven. I have come with the deliverance of God the Father in heaven. He has sent me here. And my purpose is simple. Mine is simple and straight, simple and clear. To deliver you, the church, my followers, into heaven. And then in that process of delivering the church, and then he gives counsel. He gives counsel to the church. Then he says, enter ye in at the straight gate. And then you see that the meaning of straight is that it is a channel or a passage that connects one part to another. How powerful. In other words, he's saying, enter ye in at the straight gate, meaning enter ye through this channel here, which actually connects people, which has the capacity, which is the connection, which is the portal, which is the route that connects the connection, the channel between the earth and the heaven, beloved people. Then you see the deliberate use. Why in King James he uses the word straight? Why the Lord used the word straight? Because King James actually tries as much as possible to bring it from the original sayings of the Lord as closest. So we see now that when the Lord Jesus employed the word straight in his thesis regarding the route to heaven, he also knew that it implies a channel or a passage that connects one part to another. In other words, connecting his church. He was directing his church to eternal life. He was connecting his people those he's elect, those who follow him, those who have received him, those who are born again. I'm talking about the Christians. He was telling them on the route, the road that has a connection between the earth and the heaven, beloved people. So this is very powerful. This is a very powerful situation that the Lord has presented in his thesis to the church. In this doctrine, of the narrow straight. And it's amazing because many a time, if you dig deeper to understand why the Lord used the word straight, S-T-R-A-I-T, then you find that many aspects of his narrative now come out, which are so key. For example, you have heard straight because I mentioned a little bit of difficulty. For example, if a big ship reaches a strait of so-and-so, you see them now waiting until they are told the other ship has gone. Please, you can now come, and you have to obey the rules, sail slowly, because it's narrow, it's not wide. You don't have much room for manipulating and maneuvering, so you have to obey the rules of the strait. And then I said, that was a little projection of the difficulties about the strait abound the route, for those on the other side, abound the route. And the Lord then uses the word straight deliberately 
to the church, intentionally to the church, to deliver, that he may dispense forth, he may project to you a certain important aspect of the Christian walk. How beloved of the Lord, how blessed that he can open this to us. And we see sometimes, for example, in the deliberate use of the word straight, S-T-R-A-I-T, you see that sometimes people say, oh, that, that child, those children are in dire straits, and yet their parents are doing nothing to help them or to mitigate their situation, remedy them. So again, straight is now used to describe difficult moments, difficulty, beloved people. In that context then, again he says, enter ye in at the straight gate. And now we are seeing that the word straight has frequently used with prophylaxis, if you wish, has been used with, with a lot of ease to be able to describe this situation, to, to coin some difficult situations, beloved people. And then now you understand what the Lord intended when he addressed the church. He addressed himself exclusively to the believers. And he said, enter ye in at the straight gate. Now we see that many times you hear the dire straits. That family is in dire straits, and yet the current economic situation is not doing anything better to help them. Is not doing anything to put their situation better. Dire straits. It means to be in a bad situation. It means to be in a bleak situation. If you just go to an open dictionary, anybody can go there. It means to be in a grim situation, beloved people. To be in a difficult situation. Like I said, for example, those kids are in dire straits and their parents are doing little or doing nothing to remedy their situation, beloved people. So you see now, we are beginning to understand the narrative of Jesus when he addressed himself directly unto the church. And he says, enter ye in at the straight gate. He wanted to bring forth some very important information, beloved people. In other words, he, when he said, and then he said, narrow is the way, which we are going to see right ahead of us here. Then he was already talking about some kind of duty that being born again would levy, would be levied on you. Some kind of responsibility, some kind of self-denial that will come your way when you accept the gospel and the salvation he brings. And you see clearly, he talks about the white gate in contrast, and the broad way, and I'm going to open it up a little deeper today, which essentially, you can see, the Lord was talking about the narrow gate to bring forth, he was talking about eternity, the eternal kingdom of God, and then leading to heaven, beloved people, to eternity, a life of felicitation, felicity, if you so will, in heaven. Because you know the Bible says in Matthew 25, that the kingdom of God the kingdom of eternity, the kingdom of heaven, is like a non-stop eternal banquet. In Matthew 25, 1 to 13, beloved people, you know that. So you can see that when he said, narrow is the gate, narrow, narrow is the, he said, enter ye, enter ye in at the straight gate, the narrow gate, because he said, narrow is the road, the way, 
that leads to life, eternal life. He meant it is going to be narrow and you are going to be required of. It's going to impose some duties, put some tasks on you as a believer. You are going to have to make an effort of self-denial to walk through that way. I've given the example of a big ship that is passing through one strait. And we saw that a strait is a channel that connects one part to another. And right now we are talking about connecting the church on the earth, from the earth, into the glorious kingdom of heaven. And the other, the wide road, that as we start in our, in our preamble today, you can take that to represent the excesses of sin, the pleasures of this world, the pleasures of sin and wickedness and evil that you see in this world. You can right away begin to develop the concept, to understand the concept that the Lord laid down in this thesis when he spoke to the church. And then you might ask questions. You might ask, then how about when he says, come unto me, Matthew eleven twenty nine. Light is my yoke. I'll come to you, beloved people, on that if we get time, because that is when transformation has taken place. How about the commandment too? To obey the commandment that you see in John five three and so forth. I'll come to you, but let me pursue this straight. You say, therefore the Lord Jesus used these words, beloved people. He used the word straight. To imply the following, straight also means reliable, beloved people. How powerful to know that he was directing the church to a reliable route. He was saying, if you follow this route, you for sure will enter heaven where I'm going. Very much so in John chapter 14, which was not any of the scriptures we intended to read, but I'll read it by the way. John chapter 14, we have read it when I've taught on the rapture of the church, the coming of the Messiah. John 14, 1 to 3 says, Do not let, do not let, I'm reading NIV now, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And verse 3 says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will be back. He says, I will come back and take you, so take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to where I am going. How powerful, how awesome a scripture, beloved. He's saying, in my ministry on the earth here, I have already shown you the way. The way that leads to eternity, the way that leads to the kingdom of God. And in this thesis, he's addressing himself to the church and showing her the way. So he's using the word straight. Enter ye in at the straight gate. And he says the word straight refers to reliable, the reliable gate, the reliable route that is very sure will deliver you to eternity in heaven, beloved. How powerful. And I'm going to pull up some characteristics eventually that really now boil down, that transduce and translate into your daily Christian life of this present-day church. 
But I want to first lay out this foundation here that we may all be on the same page and time not being on our side, beloved. He says, straight means a reliable route. Straight means direct. That's why direct. This other definition of straight, S-T-R-A-I-T, for which the Lord deliberately uses it to address the church, this other meaning is very powerful. It is also the reason sometimes you find that in your modern-day English, they say, okay, so they, they convert in the quickness of this time, the instant generation we are, where instant popcorn, you know, instant McDonald's, what, I mean, just these instant foods and instant life, WhatsApp and Twitter and what, there is no process. They want it and want it now. So in that way, they are times used straight, long straight, which is S-T-R-A-I-G-H-T, to represent this. But they have derived it from this other meaning, where straight means direct. And in this way, you know, the Lord was developing a kind of prefiguration, an imagery. He was painting a picture about the direct route into the salvation he brought us, the salvation that leads us when you are saved, finally, to heaven. Salvation means when you enter heaven eventually. In other words, the Lord was implying also that he was talking about, talking to his church, about the unwavering route to Christian salvation, unwavering style to Christian salvation, unwavering Christian lifestyle, unwavering Christian salvation. How beautiful, beloved people. And I have many examples for you, beloved people, at this hour. I have many examples because I have taught from New Zealand, Gisborne, New Zealand, all the way through to Australia, up to the tips of, uh, of Finland, throughout Africa, South Korea, down all the way into the other side, the West down. The issue is very simple. I've always talked about the treasures of the ancient church. I've always laid before the nations of the earth and before the church of Christ that the first primitive church presents an almost, you would think, an insurmountable challenge to this present-day modern church. Why? In their conduct, in their practice of worship, in their worship experience, and in their Christian salvation. And so the example I draw for you here, beloved people, is that the souls and the salvation of the first century church can be used now to emulate, to bring to bear, to exalt, when the Lord says the word straight, enter ye in at the straight gate, meaning a reliable route, meaning a reliable gate, a direct gate. He's saying a gate that is not wavering, that is straight, that is is clear, straight line, beloved people, unwavering. Then I said, look at the souls of the first church and their salvation of the first century church, beloved people, the primitive church. You could say that their soul was too straight and narrow for it to be manipulated by any form of worldliness or modernism. People were slaughtered, translating the Bible. People said, to die is to go be with Christ, so I'd rather go. People stood, they preached. When you look at the primitive church, they were zealous. 
they preached Christ Jesus crucified and Christ Jesus resurrected. The holy Jesus, the holy salvation, beloved people, the righteous way. So then you see that now this definition of straight really fits, fits their paradigm, fits their definition, beloved people. Reliable salvation, a reliable route to salvation, a direct route to salvation, an unwavering, an unwavering route to salvation, beloved people. Hey. So when the Lord used this, when he was addressing the elect, that is you tuned in now globally, and we don't know how many millions of people are tuned in, just any alone, we don't know how many millions are tuned in, but I'm saying, when the Lord used the straight gate in King James, it spoke much, it bespoke so much when he was describing those that follow him to heaven, the route that goes to heaven. In other words, you can now see that there was a serious instruction to how Christian salvation ought to be practiced, beloved people. So, in looking at the straight gate, the doctrine of the straight gate, S-T-R-A-I-T, Jesus said the following then, beloved people, enter ye in at the straight gate. Remember, that is our lead scripture. And number one, Jesus essentially meant that this way, this straight gate is the one that leads to life. Meaning even as you live on the earth here, if you walk this way, you get life. You receive life, the life of Christ, the life of God. Number two, it leads to eternal life, beloved people. Number three, he said, it's a narrow and restricted gate. So the movements there at in that straight, in that gate, in that way, in single file, you can imagine. Single direction. I've given the example of the ship, the big vessel that is crossing through the strait of Wu in the sea. It leads to heaven, beloved people. The Lord Jesus was essentially presenting himself before the church and addressing himself to the church about the characteristic of the Christian salvation that he brought the church. In other words, he was saying, the salvation I bring you that delivers you, that successfully, that is able to bring you to heaven, to eternal life, is a salvation that has some difficulty and route, and route, if you wish that has difficulty on the road. He was beginning to warn the church that when you receive me as your Lord and Savior, you would have to encounter some difficulty. It is a difficult route, the straight gate. Use, the word straight, the Lord uses to deliver, to score that to the church. It is a difficult route. Essentially, therefore, as we try to wind down this first section, beloved people, he essentially spoke to his church in tremendous ways, and he was talking to them about entering heaven. And he was saying, listen, beloved people, he was saying that entering heaven is not going to be easy at all. Hey, how can you say such a thing to a modern church that I see in the present age, that I'm seeing in this day? This, as you are going to see, is a complete contrast of the teachings that the present-day church is giving. That's why I wanted to come to you in the workplaces, in your marketplace, 
So essentially, the Lord meant to inform the church that entering heaven will not be easy at all. It will be difficult. How can you say that? How can you say that to a church that has told the contrary? So the Lord Jesus, the one that brought the covenant of the grace, the messenger that came to bridge us, to bridge us, to bridge fallen men with holy eternal God, the immortal God, mortal men, perishable men, corruptible men, to bridge men, men and women of God, but the Bible addresses men, to bridge them to their eternal, immortal, imperishable, glorious God, holy God, righteous King. When he was addressing himself, when he brought that covenant of grace, and he was addressing himself to the church, that is what the Lord said. He said essentially that entering heaven will be not an easy task. It is going to be a difficult task. It will not be easy at all to enter heaven. The one that owns the church, the one that died for the church, that knows the salvation he gave, he was addressing himself in this thesis when he made an application before the church and he presented himself before the church and then he made the deposition of this thesis. In his thesis, he says the following, that entering heaven is not going to be an easy task at all. In other words, it's going to be a difficult task. Now we can see why I am coming to you at this time, beloved people. Because the reason I come to you is because he made me know that this is the complete departure. You know that I've gone all over the globe rebuking the church for their apostate practice, for their teachings that will not have power of deliverance. It is now true that the teaching of the Lord have tremendous power of healing and deliverance. Look at the more than 300 cases plus. We've not even reached all of them. The radio station is occupied. It is fully booked until Friday. Every bishop wants to come on board. They're saying their miracle that took place was the biggest. A cripple stood up and walked. Legs were like a rope. A weak neck of a baby that could not support the head became strengthened. When the man of God decreed that now I lift up my left prophetic hand and I decree the power of God. This righteous hand of God, I lift it up that the power of God visits you. And you see how there was tremendous healing up to Tampere, Finland, where a brain, a new brain was created in Anmarit, Anmarit. Dyslexia. Everybody knows nobody with dyslexia can ever be cured. There's no pill. And Finland is a top country with the best medical facilities. And she could not read, even the signpost. But now she's reading the Bible on YouTube, on WhatsApp, on Facebook, on Twitter, ever since the Lord healed her and gave her a new brain. So yes, it is true that the teachings of the Lord have power. They have power to heal and deliver. Look at the many creepers and blind that have walked, the deaf ears that are now too sensitive in Kenya right now. And so... I'm saying this in the context of the fact that the Lord in his deposition, when he says, enter ye in at the straight gate. And then I have broadened it for you. I brought it to your attention that the word straight was deliberately used by the Lord to underscore certain key features about the Christian walk. 
And I said, my last point was, the Lord Jesus was essentially bringing it to the church, his own church, that entering eternity, entering heaven, eternity with God, will not be an easy task at all. That's why he said, enter ye in at the straight gate. He did not say the white gate to enter heaven. No, he said the straight gate, the narrow gate, beloved. And I said the reason I bring this to you is the fact that this becomes a complete departure from the doctrine that the present day church is teaching. They are teaching something else. They are teaching that it is easy to enter heaven. And yet the Lord Jesus himself, the owner of salvation, the owner of the church, he is telling us here that it is not easy to enter heaven except that you adhere to certain key things en route on this route which I'm going to bring to you. It is tremendous, beloved people, that the present-day church can teach something else. And that is, by the way, the entire difference now between what the Lord teaches, the Holy Spirit teaches, and what mankind, the world, the churches in the world now, man, man teaches. They are teaching that entry to heaven is easy. And yet now in this thesis here, the Lord made a serious deposition when he said that the doctrine of entry is governed by the fact that en route, entry into eternity of heaven is not going to be easy. This then now becomes the trickiest part of Christian salvation in these last evil days, then, beloved people. That is why I really long to come to you, that when you walk out, you are in the know. You are now aware. You are aware of the requirements on eternity, of eternity, of heaven, of God the Father. He says, by using the word straight, enter ye in at the straight gate, our lead scripture, Matthew 7, 13 and 14. In other words, the Lord was now underscoring to this generation, to this dispensation, that this is going to be the trickiest part of Christian salvation in these dark days. The fact that the Lord Jesus taught and he teaches us that entry into heaven is not going to be easy. He that came to deliver us into heaven. And yet, the present day church is teaching that entry is easy. Today's modern prosperity churches, you know what they teach. They are teaching that the way to heaven is easy. They are full in Nairobi, Kisumu, Katsumega, Nakuru, Yeri, everywhere. You can enter and hear them. You just sit in there for five minutes and you hear the narrative. A complete departure from what the Lord told beloved people. He told that salvation would require adherence to certain specs, because it's specs, specifications of God. The present day church is teaching an easy salvation, a cheap grace that had no cost, that is abusable, beloved people. They put it almost in that form. They teach today that all you need is to be saved and believe in Jesus, then you enter heaven. And yet we now see that the Lord Jesus himself 
He teaches the contrary. The Lord is teaching the contrary to what they are saying. They are saying all you need is to be saved and believe Jesus and you go to heaven. And yet you and I know that this is what the Lord told. Matthew chapter 24, verse 36. This is now what the Lord told. That is a complete departure from what the present day pastors teach. And I will explain to you why they teach so. And I will also come in my objective today to come to a place where I also explain to you how then, how come then there are people walking the broad road with all this information at our disposal. So Matthew chapter 24, we are now looking at what Jesus told, which is a complete departure from what the present day church is teaching. All you need is to be saved, believe Jesus, and you'll enter heaven. And the Lord says in this thesis of Matthew chapter 7, 13, 14, that that is not true. There are certain things. There is a certain part of self-denial that must come to you if you are the beholder of this expensive salvation that cost him the ultimate price. Matthew 24, I'm reading 36 on, he says, No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Verse 37, he says, As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Messiah, at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the earth. You can see that verse 38 right away describes the white road, which the present day church is teaching. The white road, the easy life, where there is no gospel duty. You are born again. And the gospel does not lay on you any duty owing to the salvation, the weight of the salvation you behold. Verse 39, beloved people, he says, verse 39, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the floods came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. So this is what Jesus told. It is written in red in your Bible. In other words, Jesus said that if anybody is to receive the salvation he brought and enter into the final ultimate, the ultimate objective of the salvation, which is the eternity with God, then he said the following, you must walk the narrow road that Noah walked. And yet the present day church, your modern, postmodern churches of prosperity, they are all over Nairobi and all over Kenya and the whole world, South Africa, Nigeria, wherever, this France, Spain, whatever. They are telling you that, no, it is easy You walk on the white road and enter. And yet Jesus, the Lord, the owner of the church, talked something else. He told something else. He instructed something else. Genesis chapter 6, verses 9 to 18, what Jesus told when he says, Enter ye in at the narrow gate, beloved people. Genesis chapter 6, I read it right away. 
Genesis chapter 6, verse 9 on. Look at what he says, beloved. This is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his generation, of his time, and he walked with God. In other words, the character of Noah is similar. That's what he's saying here. The character of Noah is similar to the character of Enoch. Enoch went to heaven without ever seeing death. To simplify, to exemplify, to give us the example of the fact that God's salvation indeed, when you obey and adhere to his righteousness, it delivers mortal men to the immortal, eternal kingdom of heaven with God. And he goes on to say, Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt, he says, in God's sight and full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on the earth had corrupted their ways. And we see the same happening today. So God said to Noah, I am going to put to an end all the people, for the earth is filled with violence. Because of them, I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. Verse 14, Genesis 6. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make room in it and coat it with pitch inside and outside. And you know, I have taught this so much. I've taught this across the nations, even in Finland, Sweden, everywhere, even in this country. I have said that the instruction that the mother of Moses received, that you see in Exodus chapter 1 and 2, that instruction, and I bless the Lord for studying in Israel for seven years, I was able to see this, the ark, when the mother of Moses received the instruction to build that basket in Hebrew, the basket is called an ark. That's why you see, she received the same instruction as what Noah received. That use pitch, use pitch to make sure it's waterproofed and lay the baby on the basket. The same instruction. And once you lay the baby on the basket in the river, then surely the baby now is totally and completely in the hands of God. Man has nothing to do with it. The same with Noah. When they entered the ark and the rain came and the flood began and the earth began to sail, they were now totally, absolutely, and completely in the hands of God and God alone. But let's move on, beloved people. He says, build it with pitch inside and out. Verse 15, he says, this is how you are to build it. The earth is to be 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Make a roof for it and finish the earth, and he says, and finish the earth to within 18 inches of the top. Put the door in the side of the earth, make lower, middle, and upper decks. Verse 17. I am going to bring flood waters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens. Every creature, in other words, that he created, that has breath of life in it. And he goes on and on. That is what Jesus told. And then you see Genesis 6.22. He says, Noah did everything just as God commanded him. That is what Jesus told in this thesis 
Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 to 18. He told obedience. He said, look, the journey to heaven does not only involve, it will not be achieved. You will not enter heaven. In other words, you are a dreamer if you think that you're going to get saved and believe in Jesus and enter heaven. Only that. He said, no, there is work. He's talking about work. He's talking about Philippians chapter 2, verses 4 to 13. To work out your faith in fear and trembling, beloved people. The designer of our faith, the author and finisher of our faith, he told something totally contrary to what you see being taught on Christian TV, the cheap grace, the cheap, you know, all this you hear, the prosperity church is teaching. The Lord essentially said, enter ye in at the straight gate, and in that deposition of his thesis, he presented the doctrine of entry, and in that doctrine he said, on route, on route, en route, en route to heaven, you are going to have to, 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 to engage some self-denial of certain things. You are going to be gospel-bound, gospel-duty-bound. The gospel is going to bring some duty to you of self-denial. You are not going to be in prophylaxis. You are not going to be in a situation where you, you can do what you want. On this road, I am pointing you that enters life, enters heaven. And you see that the Lord God Almighty who is so powerful, omnipotent, he could have built the ark for Noah. He could have simply built the ark for Noah. Or he could have told Noah, go to a certain mountain, I will make sure the water does not reach there, because I have found you righteous in this generation. But the Lord engaged Noah in constructing the ark, in building so many feet, so many decks, Open the door here. Put the roof here. What? Because in that process, he wanted to work out a relationship, a worship relationship with Noah, owing to where he's taking Noah after the flood. Hey, how powerful that this unveiling can come to the church. The Lord opened this up now. He's saying, he had to engage Noah. He could have built the ark for Noah. He could have put Noah in a place where the water will not come. But he wanted a worship relationship. He wanted to inculcate, to cultivate an increased obedience, to test the obedience of Noah. And remember, Noah built the earth for the entire of his life on the earth. 120 years under ridicule, mockery, and slander. That is what Jesus told, that even now, there is so much wildness, evil, wickedness. The whole world is full of violence, like in the days of Noah. And he said to his own church in this thesis, that enter ye in at the narrow strait, narrow gate, because he wanted the church to begin to work out her salvation in fear and trembling. He wants to test the faith and the obedience of those that get to enter heaven. This was the instruction of God. He did not tell them what you see the present day church saying. The white gate. 
Philippians chapter 2, beloved people, verses 12 to 13. The book of Philippians chapter 2, 12 to 13. He says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Oh, very powerful, beloved people. So the present-day church is teaching that all you need to do is be saved, believe Jesus, and you'll enter heaven. While those are important steps, but the Lord Jesus teaches something else, contrary to what they are teaching, the cheap grace, the white road, the easy way. The Lord is saying, it is not going to be easy for you to enter heaven. However, if you enter this way, then I will help you. I'm coming to that then. There is a narrow road with difficulty, a lot of difficulty, a lot of challenges to surmount. The same thing you see in Exodus chapter 16, verses 4 to 5, when he told Moses, I am going to pour down some manna for you, but you are to tell the Israelites to come out and come and pick manna. And each man, each family, is to pick according to the number of people in the tent. And then he says that an omer for each. And then he goes on to say that they are to pick and not to keep for the second day. However, on the sixth day, they are to carry, they are to take double even for the Shabbat, the next day, the Sabbath. And then he says, in this way, at this place, again, I will test Israel. I will test their obedience. And you can see there are so many failures. They failed the test in big ways. Some people out of the famine, on day one, they began to carry for two days. You could see that now he tested their obedience to his word. Some of them, and then it rotted, it smelled bad. And then you, there was a lot of maggots in the camp and all this. But that is the same thing I'm talking about here that Jesus taught. Jesus taught that the grace that comes, the grace he brings us, number one, you have to receive it first, accept it first, and then receive it, and then work your obedience and Jesus told the salvation he brought involves the processing of the believer to process you and you see the present day church does not want to engage their members the Christian believers who have received Jesus through a processing because wow they fear that you will jump out of the church it will be bitter for you it will be difficult for you and yet the Lord in his teaching, he presented, enter ye in at the straight gate, the route that has difficulty. In other words, to process the church the way the Lord did it in the wilderness, when he removed them from Egypt. In other words, God's processing. In other words, you have to accept it, you have to work it out in fear and trembling. Then you see heaven, not this salvation you see out here, where there is no fear and trembling. The Lord Jesus by depositing to the church, by presenting this application to the church, Matthew chapter 7, 13 to 14, he essentially taught the church, he taught his own church, 
that there shall not be many people walking the straight gate and the narrow way. In that thesis, that comes out very clearly. In other words, he's saying the church that receives his salvation in this age and beholds his salvation, they carry wale ambao wamebeba uokovu wa Yesu. Amesema kwamba katika mafunzo yake Yesu alisema kwamba kuingia mbinguni itakuwa ni vigumu spokuwa tufanye umakini kabisa tufuatilie agizo lake kwenye lile barabara penye ibonyeza kidole hivi akatuelekeza kama kanisa The Lord Jesus by saying enter ye in at the straight gate he essentially implied that there shall not be many people going through this gate and walking this way beloved people entering through the straight gate and walking the narrow way but the present day church teaches something else they are saying that there will be many people walking walking and entering heaven that it is easy hey in other words he's saying there will be only few people look at what king james said he says few there be that findeth it he finishes verse 14 that few people will find it. Hey, this is what Jesus taught, beloved people. And that is the difference between what Jesus taught and what mankind is teaching today in the churches on the Christian, so-called Christian TV, in the churches you see today here. They are teaching that it will be easy. Many people will be there. And yet Jesus is teaching here very clearly in the book of Matthew chapter 7, in this thesis on the straight the straight and wide gate he says verse 14 because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life and few there be that find it hey he's saying the salvation he brought because of the requirements it would levy on you that listen to me the christian believers it will be un popular only few will be walking on the road that leads to heaven in this day how powerful in other words the lord was saying he would contradict because remember you can see he would contradict the present day church in their teaching in its rank and file in other words today's modern churches beloved people as you know them the churches of prosperity do this and what to live comfortable on the earth they believe that the majority of people will go to heaven. Why do I say so? Because they simply believe that once you believe in God, that's it, you'll enter. That is not true. We are now seeing that there is self-denial that is required of us. That when you walk the straight gate, the only route that is direct, that enters heaven, and I talked about it in very beautiful terms, when I said it is direct, the reliable route, the one that is reliable to enter heaven, he says, on that route, there are going to be some difficulties. It is not going to be easy to see heaven, except that you obey the rules of that strait. Whether you are a big vessel passing through the strait, or you are a believer today passing through this strait to be delivered across, connecting one part to another, connecting the earth to the kingdom of heaven, beloved. And you see very clearly, let us look at the signpost, for example. I want to look at the sign. 
Because I've taught this for many years. I've taught it in this church. I've taught it on this radio. I've taught it severally. I've said that when you are going to Nakuru from Nairobi, you have to enter the Nakuru Highway. When you are driving from Oklahoma to Texas and going through Lawton, probably yeah, you have to go through I-35 South, Interstate Highway. When you are going from Kericho to Eldoret, you have to enter the Eldoret Highway. When you are going to Sika, you have to enter the Sika Super Highway. And I said, the signposts are very clear on the road. They navigate you. And the church too right now is on a journey to the kingdom of God, to heaven. And so I have told severally on Isaiah 35 verses 8 to 9, the highway of holiness. Isaiah 35, beloved people, verses 8 to 9, most of you are probably familiar with it. And I'm bringing NIV here, though I set out I have four versions, but I'll narrow on NIV real quick for, for your quick comprehension. Now he says here, Isaiah 35, verse 8 to 9, he says, and the highway will be there, that is, it shall be there, but here he says, and the highway shall be there, and the highway will be there, it will be called the way of holiness. I could have read King James, but I want you to comprehend very well. Again, and the highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. The unclean will not journey on it. It will be for those who walk in that way. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor will any ferocious beast go about on it, and he goes on and on. So he's talking about a highway that will be there. And we saw that when you read 35 from before, then you see how the Messiah would come and the significance of this highway. And now you see that if you, I kept saying, that if you're going to journey on this highway, you ought to find it, beloved people, and get on it, and climb on it. You ought to find how to enter it. And so, you must have to see the signpost that you don't get lost. The Tika Superhighway, the Kerichoway, the Kisi Road, Maimai Road, for those in Kenya. I'll think you Vascular Road, Tampere Road, Tampere Highway. I remember going on that highway to Tampere. It's well marked. You see, and they say how many kilometers from Helsinki to Tampere. So you just follow it. You can only end up in Tampere. And he says, in Isaiah 35, that this highway is called, is named on the sign. For example, the sign was on the, on the highway for people to get on board. It says, the holiness way, or the highway to holiness. You can only reach holiness, the holiness of God, when you follow this highway. It can only bring you to heaven, one destination. It can only bring you to God Almighty. How about the straight way, beloved people? How, what would the signpost be on the straight way if the signpost on the highway of holiness is actually holiness to holiness? Can only lead you to greater holiness and to the holy of holies and to the holy one of Israel. Hey! So now we have an answer of how to get to heaven, beloved people. How about in his deposition here, the deposition in Matthew chapter 7, 13 to 14, when the Lord said, Enter ye in at the straight gate. And then he says, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the road, is the way that leads to life. And few are found walking there. What would the signpost read? 
because we know that it's leading to life, then I can presume the signpost would be to life. So that when you see the highway to life, you get on board. I can also say that the signpost will be to heaven. Because we know he's talking about delivering the church to eternity with God in heaven. So the signpost, the ideal one probably to heaven, the highway to heaven. So when people see they come on board and follow it. Another one, probably to God Almighty. That is amazing, beloved people. That means the Christians of today, you believers tuned in listening to me today, whosoever would have the capacity to take, to see this straight way, the straight gate, and take it, you must be people that are headed to heaven. That is what the Lord is depositing in the church today. You must be people that have stepped out. And you are now on a pursuit. You are seeking a hidden straight. Because it says, you must find it to see it. Those are people who are saying, no, I think there is more to, than this life. There is more to this life than we are seeing. There is more about this life. There must be something about preparing for another life. There must be more to just these 70 years of years. So there must be people who are out to seek and find the hidden straight gate, the straight way. Those are the Christians the Lord was talking about that would enter the straight gate and enter. People that reach a point of saying, no, I want to seek truth. People who want to know more about the truth. You can't just tell them anything and they get, and you get away with it and they become comfortable, satisfactory, satisfied. No. There are people, in other words, Jesus was telling us that there are people whose destination will be heaven. God chases, God seekers, God find us. People who are the truth seekers. People who want to find the truth. Hey. And he said that only a few people, only a few of you Christians would find the straight way, the straight gate. Then my question again, as I summarize this part, who then are these people that Jesus was referring to that will walk this way, that will obey his instruction? Enter ye in at the straight gate. For narrow, for straight is the road, is the way that leads to eternal life, to life. And few find it. Who are these few Jesus talking about? Can we address them and find, and that you may be able to look at the features the identity of your Christianity, and use it as a mirror to bring amends and reformation to your life, to your salvation, beloved people. He says, there are people who seek life beyond this world. Deliberately they set out to seek life beyond this world. There are people who seek the truth, number two. There are people that in seeking the truth, they find the truth. And when they get the truth, they behold the truth, number four. And once they behold the truth, then they get to know the hidden treasures of walking the straight way salvation. The salvation of the straight way. The salvation that has difficulties. Jesus himself, when he walks on this earth as a mechanism, as a means of showing us the way to the Father, he went 
through a narrow road that denied, he denied himself everything to become glorious and sinless and was crucified. He was essentially saying here that the way that leads, the straight way that leads to heaven, he was saying to the present day church who are listening to me, that the way, the straight way that leads to heaven involves crucifying your flesh. These are people that crucify the flesh. They crucify the world in them, the sinful affections of the flesh, the sinful desires of the flesh. These are people that get the hidden treasures of crucifying the flesh, of going through those difficulties, of going through the self-denial on this straight way. S-T-R-A-I-T way, W-A-Y. These are people that look for that straight way, that find the straight way and get upon it. And when they get upon it, they faithfully walk the straight way until they reach the destination. And these are the people, beloved people, on January 15th, 2017, this year, when the Lord showed me the tremendous vision how the church will enter. When the Lord brought me up to 20 to 30 meters to the door to heaven up above here, the big cloud of the glory of the Father and the glorious steps. When I said, I saw those who came from the ends of the earth who have been faithful to the Lord, as you see in the book of Matthew chapter 8, when the Lord met the, met the centurion, and he said, many will come from as far as east is, and from west, and pass you here, enter the kingdom of heaven, and sit with Abraham, sit with Isaac, sit with Jacob, the patriarchs of Israel, and the God of Israel, and eat the wedding supper, wedding dinner, wedding feast of the Lamb. And that January 15th, you remember in that tremendous vision, when he showed me the church that finally wears the garment, and I described the garment, and they go a little left, and then they turn right, and then the cloud, the big cloud, which is almost half the size of the earth or more, opens, and then the glorious steps appear, they step their feet on, and they enter. These are the people the Lord is describing here, the faithful church, the church that has been faithful, the church that has been obedient to his sayings, the straight way. He said they would walk the straight way. Now look at what happens as you walk the straight way. Exodus 33 verses 13 to 16, maybe we start 15. Many times you pay a lot of money to go to conferences out there, big conferences, the who's, 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 but they fail to give you this. And you pay seed, what? All these things happening out there. He said, they are preaching another gospel. Because the gospel he gave, he said, there would be difficulty. There is a straight gate, a narrow gate, that the church that he has come to deliver would have to enter. And when they enter there, when you enter there, you find that only few will find it and walk there. Exodus 33, 15 on, beloved people. He says, then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? This is a very powerful statement, a powerful scripture, beloved people, 
for those that walk the straight way. Now you are beginning to understand very slowly that when you walk the straight way, however lonely, the only reason the present-day Christians fear and don't like to walk the straight way, the narrow way, the narrow salvation of the Lord, if they fear loneliness, I will remain alone. When I wear the long skirt and stop exposing my body and wear the long jacket and I wear the, I cover my, my chest well and consider my body, as the Bible says, the holy temple of the Holy Spirit, some of my friends will leave me. So they fear loneliness. But he's saying, don't worry. The Lord will be with you. In this way, we saw that the cloud of God came and walked with Israel. God himself comes and walks with you, beloved people. And he comes to help you. Exodus 29, for example, again, another scripture before we go to other. Exodus 29, beloved, same thing, verses 42 to 44. Exodus 29, 42, 44, I read it now. It says the following. For the generation to come, this burnt offering is to be made regularly at the entrance of the tent before the Lord. Then I will meet you and speak to you. I will meet you and speak to you there. There also I will meet you with the Israelites and that place I will consecrate by my glory. And he said, so I will consecrate the tent of meeting and the altar and will consecrate Aaron and his sons and all those that serve him. This is powerful because he now promises them that he himself will be available to be with them, to give them company, much greater company than 7 billion people. The company of God Almighty himself guiding you, serving you, providing for you, healing you, protecting you, directing you, navigating you, destroying your enemies, fighting for you. How mighty, beloved people. And he says now, Ezekiel chapter 10, verse 4, beloved people, this is what he says. Then the glory of the Lord rose from above, above the cherubim, and moved to the threshold of the temple. The cloud filled the temple, and the court was full of radiance of the glory of the Lord Jehovah. Jehovah Elohim. I myself will be with you on that narrow road. But when you now look, because I'm defining to you some little details now on how it trickles down to your daily Christian life as a present-day Christian believer, born-again person. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 to 18. Now you begin to see those that walk the straight way. 2 Corinthians, he says, chapter 6, verses 14 to 18, he says, What fellowship is there between a believer and a non-believer? Very powerful. He means a separated church. I told you very clearly that when the Lord says, Enter ye in at the straight gate. He essentially separated out his church that enters heaven from the other church. It was a command on separation. That thesis is big on separation, as we saw. 
and you see it again displaying itself here. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? In other words, he's saying that the reason he separated his church into the narrow way is because bad company corrupts good behavior, good conduct. That if you continue walking in the ways and with those that are wicked and in sin, they will ensnare you. You'll enter, you'll be entrapped, and you find that your salvation will be defiled, it will be contaminated, polluted, adulterated, as you see in the church globally right now, where the women dress as they want, the men do what they want. So the Lord used the straight way when he was very much aware that those who would come, come to him and walk this way, those who are his, who would enter the glorious kingdom of heaven, those whom he came to deliver, they would be aware of Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 to 17, when the Lord Jesus was baptized, that when he stepped into the water, then the glory of God, when he stepped into the Jordan River to be baptized, Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 to 17, when he entered there, then you saw an amazing phenomenon. Initially, you can see the sons of Beth Shemesh. You can see in Ashdod what happened. You can see what happened to Uzzah when David was bringing the ark of the covenant of God that they could not come before the glory of God. The presence of God killed them. They died. It was a tremendous picture. I've taught it in Helsinki, Finland. I've taught it in Taranta, Italy. I've taught it here. I've taught it everywhere. That then man was not in capacity, did not have any capacity to inhabit the dreadful glory of God. But now, Matthew chapter 3, 16, 17, he says the following. He says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, and lighting on him, and a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. Meaning, those that walk the straight way, they know that the presence of God has now been opened up to them by virtue of Jesus coming and dying on the cross. Heaven has opened. The portal to heaven is open, and hence he will help them to surmount the difficulties there. Hey, and I've said it all my lungs and thorax. They are aware of the power of the new covenant in Hebrews 12, 26. They are aware of Matthew 27, 51, when he said, in Matthew 27, 51, he said that when Jesus died, Matthew 27, 51, that when the Lord Jesus died, he says, at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two pieces from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks split, and the tombs broke open, and the holy people that were in Jerusalem came out their tombs. They are aware that the Lord has admitted the church into the holy presence of God where there is your present help. They are very much aware, beloved people, of Matthew chapter 11, verse 29. I read from 28, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 
take my yoke on you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in my heart. And you will find rest in your soul. In your soul, beloved. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. They are all that. So when the Lord tells them, Enter ye in at a straight gate, the narrow gate that leads to heaven. They simply obey and enter, aware that the presence of God has been opened up to the church, and God will give them a lighter yoke. That means after deliverance. There is a very important part in front of me here that I don't want you to miss. If you miss it, you're finished. They are aware of John chapter 5, verse 3, beloved people. They are aware of what it says. They are aware of John 14, 15. So I don't have time to get to that, beloved people. They are aware of the garment of holiness. That's why they walk there. That that garment requires separation. The garment of righteousness in Revelation chapter 19, verses 8 to 9. Now, I want to talk about the white gate, and this is the most important. What did Jesus teach? And I want to ask the question, why are people, other people walking the white gate? I want to really finish this. Jesus taught that the white gate would be spacious, it would be wide, it would have democratic space, you can discuss salvation, you can choose whether homosexuals are acceptable or not, you can take liberal philosophy, liberal theology, homosexuals are accepted, Oh, yes, there's liberty. You can wear a miniskirt. You can wear tight trousers. You can fry your hair as men. You can put ring on your nose as a man. Whatever. Liberal theology. The gender phase. Genderism. He said that that white gate is obvious. Everybody can see it. Why the narrow gate, the straight gate, you have to, it is hidden. You'd have to search for it and find it and then enter. And we see that the sign portrays to heaven. This one is easily seen. It's colorful. It is decorated, full of pomp and color. It is a broad way, he says here. He says it is easy. It appears easy when you're in there. When people are walking there, it's, wow, it is easier to walk there. It is faster to walk there. It appears a normal way of life there. It is not hard to enter it. Jesus told us that the way of sin that the present-day church has taken unto herself is the white gate. Because in his thesis, in Matthew 7, 13, 14, he was squarely addressing the church. The white gate, he said, would be a broad way. So the question then that I want to ask, who are these that are walking the white way? Because I have already addressed to you, I have defined to you, the identity of those that walk the narrow way, the straight way, the unwavering salvation. Who are they that now walk this one here, the wide way? Is it the world? Is it the unborn again? Is it the sinners? Is it those who do not love God? Who was Jesus referring to? And I said, he was essentially talking to the church. How about the signpost? On the way, then why, why would the present church, why are there so many, Jesus said, multitude, so many would be walking there. Many Christians would walk on that way, that leads to destruction, that leads to hell. If they know really, in the scripture here, in the thesis that Jesus presented, if they know that it leads to hell, then why are they walking there?
That is the most critical right now for me to address. In other words, how can anyone in their normal mind see and know that this way is heading to hell and follow it? Unless they have been deceived and lied to beloved people. Allow me to explain this to you, beloved people. This church has apostasy ongoing. And what the devil has done is unbelievable here, beloved people. The devil has brought a lie. The devil has found it that it is easier for him to manage you, the church, by him having you in church and inside there making you complacent with sin, comfortable with sin, tolerant to sin. And then what the devil has done, I ask you, let me throw this question to you. What is the signpost on the road? That What is the signpost at the place where people enter the wide way? What is the signpost on the highway, the wide way, when you're walking there? What sign does it beam to you? What are those big signs written above your head as you're driving or you're walking through it? Do you think it is written to hell? If it was written to hell, nobody would be walking there. The devil, by deception and lying, has put a signpost there written to heaven. That's why many, many, many multitudes of Christians keep walking there, thinking they are still going to heaven. Hey, no wonder Jesus warned in Matthew 7, 15, when he was finishing the deposition on his thesis, on this thesis here, 7, 15, verse 15, now Jesus warns. He says, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep clothing, but inwardly they are revealing these revenous wolves. I read, NIV says, Watch out for false prophets they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Hey! And he says, by their fruits you'll know them down there. Matthew chapter 7, 22, look at how he finishes this. He says, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy in your name? Did I not drive out demons in your name? Perform many miracles in your name? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. He's talking to the church that walks the wide road. Hey! They were in the church, and they were walking the wide road. They did not adhere to this thesis. And I'm reading King James on that one also, verse 20, 22, beloved people. And he says, 22, many will say to me, in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then he says here, verse 23, And I'll profess unto them, I never knew you depart from me, ye that worketh iniquity. Those are the workers of iniquity, perpetual sin, constant sin, skillful sinners, professional sinners, daily sinners, people that have become numb. He's saying that the enemy would lie to them and they would claim, these are the people that would claim the name of Jesus, they would claim to prophesy in his authority, they would claim to perform miracles, remember the word claim, to perform miracles in his name, they would claim, they, these are the people that know the word, beloved people, this was not the word, 
They have been taught the word. Hey! They have been taught like you have been taught, but they find themselves in the other churches where there is a compromise, there is apostasy. Hey! They claim to perform miracles and wonders in his name. Then he says, depart from me, I don't know you. Second Corinthians chapter 11, 13, I need to finish, beloved. Second Corinthians 11, 13, very big, I told you, you must get this. The devil has lied to them and he has put a signpost written to heaven. So there are two roads with signposts to heaven, but only one that Jesus showed us, the straight gate, the straight way, is delivering the church. It delivers the church to the kingdom of God. Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13, 15. Look at what he says here. He says, For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, masquerading as apostles of Christ, and no wonder for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants, in other words his sons and daughters, masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. They are teaching out there another form of road, another journey to heaven. They are teaching another grace. But the owner of the salvation, he told us in the thesis that he deposited in the book of Matthew 7, 13, 14, that enter ye in at the straight gate, the straight way, the narrow road, that enters heaven, and few shall be there. Hey! Matthew chapter 4, verse 10. Matthew chapter 4, verse 10, beloved. Trying to push you into heaven, beloved. Matthew chapter 4, verse 10, he says, Then Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him alone. When the devil, the devil tempted him in the wilderness, the devil brought the word. He knows the word. He used the word. And these people now in the other churches that are walking the white road, ministers, apostasy, sexual sin, abortion, they are living together and married. The women are opening fleets for you to see their, their, their chest, their legs, their what, their anatomy. And wickedness there, homosexuals are there. The white road. They are lying to the church. They are lying that destination, heaven. They are worshipping another god. He says, you shall only worship the Lord your God. That is another religion, beloved people. Galatians chapter 1, 4 onward. Beloved people, because of time, I just want to say the following. I may get time to continue and finish it up, but may you walk the narrow road. Let me lead everybody in one minute to the Lord. Those who want to take Jesus globally as you're tuned in, say, precious Jesus, I repent today of apostasy. I repent from sin. And I receive you afresh in my heart. I receive you in my life as my Lord and Savior. Please establish righteousness in my life. And establish holiness in my life. And keep me on the straight way. That I may enter the straight gate that leads to heaven. In the mighty name of Jesus. I am born again, shalom, toda rabah, toda lachem, toda toda, toda haverim, shalom.